Thank you for joining us for the Life Point Podcast. We believe what you're about to listen to will help you experience life change. So let's jump into this week's message. Well, as you know, we just began a new series a couple weeks ago, so we wanted to catch you up on what's been going on. It's that time of year where just a lot is happening, and so um, that's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. This is going to be week three, and really this is, this is a church-building series, and every once in a while we need to pause and just talk about church life, talk about His house. Amen. But I do want to just throw a few things in before I, I jump into this uh, this morning. And the first thing is this is tonight is our worship night. And so usually this time of year we do a big worship night outdoors at the amphitheater. But it's indoors tonight. It's here. It's at 7 o'clock. And so I encourage you to come out, invite somebody. They don't have to go to church here. And we're just going to worship Jesus tonight. Um, just to let you know the Steelers play tomorrow night. That's why it's scheduled. for. <laughs> it actually is. But I mean... Um, so we're, we're going to worship tonight. We're going to have a good time, but, but come out. Make some time to be here, and that's, that's, it's going to be an awesome time tonight. And then Wednesday, our ladies, you know, we, ha- we haven't had our, our lift. You know, when I talk about the men's event, I, all I get is a woo. I get like a grunt. The ladies are like, woo. So Vibe is our ladies' ministry, and so we've been, you know, we don't do those in the summer, so we're back this Wednesday in the Generations Building at 6.30. Come out and, uh, and connect with some, some, uh, some ladies, and we're, we're going to have a great time. Uh, we, the guys were this past Wednesday. Man, didn't we have an awesome time? I mean, we, we um, there we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. So ladies, I don't think you can compete, but, but anyway, be here this, this Wednesday night, so. Our series is called It's All About Life Change. As you know, that's, you see that on the walls around. That's our, that is our mission. That's our vision statement. And for us, it really is all about lives changing. That could be somebody coming to Christ. That could be a marriage restored. That could be a body healed. That could be just growing in your faith. That could be financial. That could be spiritual. That could be relational. That, that's our heart is that you experience uh, more and more life change. Anyone experienced some life change since you started hanging around here? Um, and so uh, that the whole series is 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 built on on this idea of it's all about life change. And I mentioned this last week in our message that we're launching a new ministry. So I want to I want to put a slide up here on the screen, and it's called uh, L, uh, Lifestyle LPC Young Adults. And so if you're in that, uh, you, after graduating high school to that 20-ish, to the, right at the beginning of the 30s, this is a brand new ministry for you. And on Thursday, October the 5th at 6.30 p.m. in the loft in the Generations Building, brand new ministry starting. Um, I don't quite fit into that anymore. Um, on the outside, on the inside, I can still do it. But if you're in that category, I want you to come and invite some of your peers out. A brand new ministry we're starting uh, one Thursday night every month, and then we're going to branch into some other things. So good stuff. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Are y'all all right? Yeah. So, so I, I sensed this this morning that, um, I, I'll just try to say this as it's in my, in my heart, that there are some of us that are in a place where we're sensing change. Everyone say change. And the change means there's some new things coming. It's a new season. Uh, Some things are just going to be different. This isn't my message. This is just something God's telling me or speaking to me. 
And in that change, you've been looking at it. You've been saying the right faith words. How many know we're supposed to say the right faith words? But there's still some fear there. It's the unknown. It's the what ifs. Because we get used to things, right? But so there's just some new things coming. There's some new things changing. There's some new things on your way. Some things are going to be different. But there's, there's some fear there. But you've been saying the right faith words. And, and I want you to hear this, that sometimes fear and faith can occupy the same space. And you've been trying to say the right faith words to stay in belief, which is the right thing to do. But you've questioned why the fear keeps knocking on the door. And what do I do about the fear? And this is what God wants me to tell you. The Bible says that it's not faith that ejects fear. It's the mature, perfect love of God that deletes fear in our life. So you need to keep faith stirred up. But here's what I want you to hear. God loves you so much. And no matter what you think about your tomorrow, God's already been there. He's been in your tomorrow. And he'll lead you through the change. And listen, this change could be relational. This, this change could be positional. This change, maybe it's a professional thing. I don't know exactly who and what pertains to you. But God just wants you to know um, you trust him. You trust his love. He'll walk you into the next season. And God never goes backwards. He always goes forward. He always goes forward. So he, he, he's going to show himself off in your life in a brand new way. Don't fear the change. Trust his love. Y'all hear that? Don't fear the changes. Trust his love. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Not, 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 not. Well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Who, who feels like that's for them? Can, can you stand up if that was for you? Can you just stand up? I just want to pray over you. If someone around you was standing, can you just put a, a hand on their shoulder? Just put a hand on their shoulder. Father, for some reason, you wanted me to stop and declare that this morning. But there are people who are standing this morning because they just know there's some change. And God, they, they feel um, challenged by it, maybe a little fear about it, maybe a little bit of the unknown. But God, if it's unknown, thank God we have you. You know all things. And you are a revealer. And God, I prophesy over them that you're going to walk them to the next level, to the next change, to the next turn. And God, it will be not only a different season, it will be a greater season. It will be a better season. It will have a greater blessing on the next season. We declare that for them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we just bind up the fear. We send it back to where it came from. And we release the goodness of God, the love of God, and the affection of God. You will know God in a new way as you go forward. Did y'all hear that? You will know God in a fresh way. You thought you knew his goodness. There's greater goodness coming your way. Did y'all hear that? That's from the heart of God. There's greater goodness headed in your direction. Can we give him some praise for a moment? <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Wow. I don't know what this is about either, but I, I sense I'm going to call it a liver thing. I don't know if it's a liver, a pancreas. Someone's been dealing with something in that area. I just want you to know, God's going to start healing you while you're sitting here today. It might be someone at home. I don't know, but I just keep getting that word over and over and over again. God's touching someone's liver, pancreas. I'm, obviously, I'm not a doctor here, but uh, liver, pancreas. Amen. He's a healer. We sang about that this morning. 
someone else has been dealing with like a lot of migraine issues. And God wants you to know he wants you free from that. You trust him for that. He's, he wants to bring, you're going to start to see him dissolve that until it goes away. When you start seeing it start to dissolve, you, you keep praising him more and more and more. And you're going to be uh, migraine free, headache free. And I don't know who all that's for. Can we just receive that for a moment? Father, we receive your healing. We receive your direction. We receive your, your goodness this morning. Amen. Everybody say, God's good. Well, how dare God interrupt my message? Well, you, you, you saw in the update, we've been saying a couple things, and, and this, this series really just came out of God just gave, kind of downloaded this challenge to me. Anyone like challenges? A friend of mine, uh, Pastor Steve Munns, love you, met him. He said, without a challenge, there would never be a champion. And so there are some, some things we want to champion in, in our church. And he just gave me this new challenge to throw out. We've been talking about that. And he's given me this. Uh, I've just thrown out some little assignments here every week uh, for you. And the first one went this way. Can we, can y'all, can we just get back to being church people? It, you are a sleepy crowd this morning. I say, can we just get back to being church people? It's okay to be church people. Okay. Um, we said this last week, can we just cancel the whole COVID culture? Let's just, let's just not let that be a thing. Um, it can be a thing out there with them. It doesn't have to be a thing with us. Right, so I just want to throw this one out this week, and, and it goes like this. Um, l- let's contribute more than we consume. Can we just, as, as church people, uh, as followers of Jesus, as believers, can we just start making more contribution than we do consume? I know we live in a con- consumer culture. We live in a consumer country. We, we're just consumers. Then we come into the house of God and we just want to consume. When I believe it should be the opposite way, we need to contribute more than we consume. Jesus said it this way. It's actually better to give than it is to what? Receive. And it really is true. It really is true. So we're, we're going to talk about that for a moment. The book of Philippians says it this way. Everybody say, here we go. Philippians, this is chapter 2, and it says it this way. Uh, Paul said this. He says, so I'm asking you, friends that you are joined together in a perfect unity. I like this. You have one heart, one passion, and you're united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Isn't that a a cool way to word that? Look look at verse 3. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Ouch! Y'all know what we need? We need to be free from some of our pride-filled opinions. Here's why. They get in the way of God-filled opinions. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put other people first. View others as even more important than yourself. Abandon, look at this, abandon every display of what? Selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to other people instead of your own interests. I like verse 5. So consider how Jesus did it, the anointed one, his example that was set before us, and have the same mindset that he had, and let that mindset become your what? What what if his mindset was our motivation instead of our own self-interest being our motivation? We have our own self-motivation. It's about what's good for me, what fits me, how it's good for me. I can prove that. What do you do before you get in the shower? Don't you test the waters? 
Why? Because you don't want it too cold. You don't want it too hot, right? We are always thinking about what? Our own situation. And this verse is telling us to do the total opposite. You can't do that on your own. You need some Jesus to do that. Look at someone saying he's preaching to you. So verse 6 says, Jesus existed in the form of God, but he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he actually, what did he do? He emptied himself of all the outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a what? Of a servant. He became human. And then he humbled himself and became vulnerable, which we don't like, do we? Choosing to be revealed as a man, and he was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, by crucifixion. So what Paul was saying is, hey, let's keep the unity, but let's have the right motivation. What keeps us in unity, what keeps us operating the right way, is having the same mindset that Jesus had. That, let that be our motivation. Let's contribute more than we consume. Jesus said this, this, or Paul said this is how Jesus did it, and he's the greatest example that we could live by. And you and I, in the natural sense, we have three things that we need to really, really thrive. And you, you, you need water, you need air, and you need some food, right? That's what you need to thrive. But in a very supernatural sense, there are some things that you, you need as well. You need a Savior. If you're going to thrive spiritually, you need to be redeemed, you need to be saved, you need to be born again. Then the Bible says you actually need a, a pastor over you or a spiritual leader over you that's going to lead you and equip you. And then the third thing, and where we've been landing, is you need a church. You said, I can get to heaven without a church. Well, you can get to heaven. It's just going to be hard and rough getting there, um, not being able to live on the level that you're supposed to live. You need a church. It's the bride of Jesus. It's important that you, you found yourself in the right place so God can do the right things in your life. So you need a church. Now listen to this, though. You need a church, we said this last week, to belong to. Everyone needs a church to belong to. But I want to take it to a different level this weekend. Not only do you need a church to belong to, you need a church to help build. When you came into the kingdom, God wants you to use you to help build his kingdom. He needs you to help build his church. So we don't just have a church we belong to, but for God to build something dynamic in a region, for God to build something anointed, in, in, in a region, and particularly talking about our church, you, you, need, you need a place to belong, and you need a place to, to help build, build. Listen to this. I wrote this down. This is really good. Tell me if you like it. Um, many complain much and contribute little. How I many know we're, we're good at complaining? We're good at um, opinion being opinionated. Um, but sometimes I think we might complain more than we contribute. Listen to this quote. This is, this is by Peter Marshall. He said, The measure of life is not in its duration, but in its donation. So the measure of your life is not the duration of years, but it's what you donate in those years. It's not about how long you live. It's about how much you give while you're living. It's, it's not about the duration. It's actually about the donation that you're making. Are you getting the trend where we're going? So we came out with this life change challenge. And I believe you experience more and more life change as you walk through this process. And the first challenge was just this. 
come frequently. The trend in our culture, the trend in the church world is to come once about every six weeks. I just want to challenge you to break that. Let's be church people. Let's destroy that, 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 that mentality. And let's just get in church as much as we can. Now, I said that a few weeks ago, and I had like four couples on the way out apologizing because they were going to be on uh, vacation for the next few weeks. I said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about regular. We need to be in God's house. We need to hear what God's saying. And the book of Hebrews said that as you see the day approaching, be together what? More and more and more. And we realize you're not just coming to sit in the seat, but you actually, you come to show up for God. You come to show up for others and then yourself. But we need to, so I just want to give you this challenge. Y'all said you like challenges. Just come as frequently as you can on the weekends. And then we talked about this last, last weekend. This was week two. Not only should we come frequently, but we should, we should connect consistently. And I want to challenge you. As you come more frequently on the weekends, start plugging into something else. We talked about our men's ministry, uh, our women's ministry meeting this weekend. Um, just start plugging into those things. Plug into our first Wednesday night. you got, you got to be where God's doing something. And you need each other. There are callings. There are, there's a destiny. There are giftings. There, 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 there's a will for your life that you can't fulfill just out there on your own. We're, we're called to do it together. So that's our challenge so far. Y'all ready for week three? So here's, here's the, the third challenge. It's actually going to be a two-part. Point three, the third challenge is actually going to be two weeks. This is part one, and here it goes. That, that not only do we come frequently, connect consistently, but we contribute generously. Do you know that generosity is an attribute of God? When we're generous, guess who we act like? We, we just read about it. But we, we contribute what? Generously. All right, I'm going to have to preach you up. Y'all ready? Here we go. So um, here's the definition of generosity. Generosity just means this, that you provide more than the normal amount that's needed. You actually provide or you contribute more than the normal amount that's needed. If there is a normal amount needed, you actually contribute more. That's what generosity is. So we don't want to just like give just enough. We want to do what? Blow the doors out. We, we want to do above and beyond. Isn't that how God does things? Aren't you glad that God wasn't skimpy with you? Aren't you glad God didn't cut corners with you? Aren't you glad God wasn't apathetic with you? Aren't you glad that God went above and beyond? The Bible said he emptied himself of everything that, that made him God, and he came and he served. He became what? A lowly human, and he served. He served the plan and the purpose of God, even to the cross. Aren't you glad he was generous? Aren't you glad he was generous with his blood? Aren't you glad he was generous with his goodness? Anyone glad he was generous with his grace? Here's the deal. There's a battle, though, for generosity. Here's what it's called. Y'all ready for this? We all deal with it. It's called greed. Anyone, um, we're going to take a survey. Anyone just... Living life, going to the stores, um, going through the schools, going through the neighborhoods, just watching society. Anyone ever notice that there is an overwhelming sense of entitlement right now? You want to know what fuels entitlement? Greed. What is entitlement? I'm entitled. Me, me, me. Jesus said the total opposite. You know what fuels generosity? Are you ready for it? Here it comes. Gratitude. Gratitude fuels generosity. Greed fuels entitlement. 
You want to break the power of greed? You do it by keeping yourself in a place of constant what? Gratitude. I just said, aren't you grateful for the cross? Aren't you grateful for salvation? Well, man, gratitude ought to keep us in a place of what? We keep fueling what? Generosity. We're generous people. Why? Because we know we are so grateful for what Jesus has done. We're so grateful for what God has done in our life and, 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 and what, he, what he continues to do. There's going to be this moment when you stand before God one day and there are two questions you're going to have to answer. Two questions only you can answer. You, it's not a, it, you can't get your answers for someone else. At that moment, only you can answer. Here's the first question. What did you do with Jesus? God's going to say, what did you do with my son? Did you believe in him? Did you confess him as Lord? Did you accept him? Did you receive him? Or did you just think he was a good prophet or a good teacher? What did you do with Jesus? That's the first thing you've got to answer. Uh, individually, you have to answer. And our answer needs to be, He's the Christ, the son of the living God. I surrender my life to him. He's God's only son. He came, he died for me, he rose again. But you've got to answer that question. I can't answer it for you. You can say, well, I believe in God. That's not what he's asking. What did you do with Jesus? And the second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? That's something we can only ask, or we can only answer when we're asked that before God. Only you can answer that. Only can I, I can answer that. Only you can answer that. Only I can answer that. So let, let me tell you for a few moments what generosity does. Here's the first thing generosity does is it destroys selfishness. Generosity destroys what? Selfishness. Everyone say, ouch. Sounds good, but it will destroy selfishness. And we need to become more what? Selfless, less selfish. How many every once in a while you just noticed, you think you're doing real good with God. I mean, you got your quiet time down. You're growing in God. God's starting to bless. And then you just start realizing when you think you're getting there, you realize there's just a lot of selfishness still left. Now, if you're married, God doesn't have to tell you. Your spouse tells you. How many know in marriage it shows up, right? Um, with kids it shows up. But outside that world, in the church world and restaurant, we just notice that. It's, it's continuing to show up in our life. But, but generosity, greed is to live like this. Generosity is to live like this. But generosity will destroy the power of selfishness in your life. Will destroy it. Say, how do I get rid of this pride? How do I get rid of this selfishness? Be generous. Be a giver be a server that's actually how jesus did it that's why paul said have that mindset let that mindset be your motivation let the way he did it be the way you do it isn't that cool but it that's how you destroy i don't know i want selfishness destroyed in my life here here's the deal um think about it this way we all have some selfishness i want you to think about where your selfishness has ever gotten you Your selfishness, may, for some of you, it may have gotten you um, thrown out of school, incarcerated, addicted, challenged in your family, marital issues. It's a selfishness thing. And, and here's how we, we just destroy it by what? Generosity. It's God's superhuman power. It's a, it's a super weapon you have to become generous. God doesn't make you generous. You choose to act like him. 
and be generous. Let me throw a little slide up here for you. You say, okay, what do I do? How am I generous? There, there's a, this is where we're generous. These three areas. How generous are you with your time, your talent, and your, pre- and your treasure? Th- th- this will tell you. How, your, your calendar will show how generous you are. The sharing of your abilities will show how generous you are. And what you do with your checkbook, what you do with your account, what you do with your, 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 your resources, this is our generosity checklist. Am I selfish with my time, my talent, my treasure, or am I providing more than what's needed? And don't answer that question out loud. L- listen to this. Listen to this. Y'all with me so far? Listen to this. The question will not be how much have you got, but how much have you given? Not how much have you won, but how much have you done? Not how much have you saved, but how much have you sacrificed? It will be how much have you loved and served, not how much you were honored. That's the power of generosity. Here's a good generosity scripture. This is Proverbs chapter 11, two verses. The world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. Y'all like that? It gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Stingy is another word for what? Greed. Don't you like that? If I'm generous, my world, my opportunities, my point of view, my, my, my blessings, my abilities, my time, my treasure, guess what it does? Is it, it exponentially does what? Increases. But man, when I'm stingy and I'm greedy, guess what it does? It shrinks. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who helps others, they're helped themselves. So the first thing that generosity does is it just destroys the power of greed and selfishness. Here's the second thing it does. Generosity always provides a supply. Always provides a supply. Destroys selfishness, but it always brings the supply that's needed. Now, let me unpack this verse for you. Y'all ready for this? This, this is pretty cool. Um, it really says it this way. I read it to you from the Message Bible. That's just like a, a modern translation, but it really says this. The generous disperse. Some original transcripts say that the generous scatters their seed or their, their, their giving or their resources liberally. So a generous person is the one who scatters or sows or disperses what they have liberally. Now listen to this. In the original language, it says this, and God blesses their estate. Because they do that, God blesses their estate. Check this out. It actually means he makes them fat. Makes them fat. Anybody want to be fat? Don't go on a spiritual diet. You can go on a physical one, but don't go on a spirit, don't go on a blessing diet, right? He says, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna expand you. I'll make you I will increase, I will bless your estate. I'm gonna bless your house, I'm gonna bless your kids, I'm gonna bless your life, I'm gonna bless your job, I'm gonna bless your opportunities. I want to make you fat. How do you do that? Well, I just I just believe God's good. Well, that's a good place to start, but if he is so good, you trust him by what? Scattering your resources, by sowing your resources. But it says this, but those who withhold literally means this, that you welcome decay into your substance until it consumes you. 
So if I'm going to withhold generosity, I'm going to withhold being a giver, guess, guess what it's going to do? Within me, I'm going to welcome decay instead of fatness. And not until I'm consumed with my own greed. Wow, that was written a long time ago, and how prevalent is that right now? They did some research, just in case you wanted this. Harvard did some research, and Cal Berkeley did some research, and they said this about generous people. They're healthier. Their stress levels are lower. Their blood pressure is lower, and they live five-plus years longer than non-generous people. So y'all want to be healthier? You want to live a little bit longer? Be generous. Now, now check this out. When, when you're generous, it activates something. And endorphin in your brain is called a giver's high. Now, not to be too creepy on a Sunday, but it's the same thing that's released during sex. It's the same. <laughs> it, no, listen, to me. it's the same endorphin that's released. It's a pleasure endorphin. A giver's high. Someone say, what'd you do on Sunday? We got high. We were so high when we left there. We were so high on the most high. We, we were just high. Well, what do you mean you're high? We were generous. We were generous. Are y'all getting this? So it destroys this selfish thing in us. We all need that destroyed, but it brings this supply. Here's what I believe. I believe that believers bring a supply to their own house and to his house. And that's really what we're called to do. Because generous people, you ever notice something about generous people? They're always sensitive to an opportunity. They're always sensitive to a need. They're always sensitive to a cause. Where can I be generous? Where can I give? What can I do? Where can I put some time? Where can I put some of my talents? Where can I put some of my treasure? They're just looking for a place. They're looking for a cause. They're looking for an opportunity. When we're not generous, we're not looking for a cause. Because our the cause is our cause. And we're not looking for needs. And we're not looking for opportunities. Why? Because it's about us. So generosity absolutely destroys that selfish thing. And it brings a supply. You know, the Bible actually says this about a, a church, that every time we're together, you bring a supply. You bring a supply. Little old you. Yeah, you bring a supply. You bring a supply during worship. You bring a supply during the word. You bring a supply serving. You bring a supply. So think about this. When you're not here, we lack a supply. That's why God puts certain people in certain churches because he needs a certain supply. Sometimes that supply is financial. Sometimes that supply is serving. Sometimes that supply is abilities or gifts. But he, that's why when people up and leave somewhere where they're supposed to be, it takes a supply that God wants a supply. God, God wants his house. Every local church is a faith-filled, Bible-believing church. He wants a certain supply. So the next time you're trying to decide, do I need to be there or not? You need to know, if I'm not there, my supply is not there. Not only the supply I bring, but when you're there, you receive a supply that someone else has brought. But what, what brings that supply? Generosity. Generosity does. Are you all getting this? So I want to challenge you, come frequently. And at some point coming frequently, God's going to begin to challenge you to do what? To begin to connect consistently in, in, in more ways outside of a weekend. And at some point on that journey or that process, 
God's going to be start challenging you. It's not just about connection. It's about what you're called to contribute. Here's the last thing that generosity does. Are you getting something good? Generosity creates solutions. Creates solutions. How many know if, if let's, let's make something up here. You're, you're, you're about to check out. Let me just tell you this story. One time we were checking out at the grocery store, and I could tell my wife was locked in on this uh, younger girl with some young kids, and it just looked like maybe she was struggling to pay for what she had. And my wife is awesome. She has this immediate, like, quick, I just want to take care of it. I want to I I fix that. So much quicker than me. And, and I saw it coming. I'm like, she's going to pay for their groceries. So I'm adding up what it looks like. <laughs> she really need that? I mean. <laughs> and, and so she just, she stopped. She stopped the person, and she's like, she looked at him, and she goes, I'm paying for this. And, and she, there was no way this girl was going to let her. And, and my wife's just like, no, I'm paying for this. And she just stepped in, stuck the credit card in, because she wanted to create a solution. That's what generosity does. It creates a solution. It doesn't always have to be financial, but it creates a solution. It creates a solution. Look at this. This is Ephesians. I'm almost done. Chapter 4. Paul said, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. He gave these apostles and prophets. He gave some evangelists. The original language says pastor slash teacher. So he gave some prophets and apostles. He gave some evangelists, pastor slash teachers. And look what he said. And their job or their responsibility is to do what? Equip. Everyone say equip. So what's your job? My job is to, guess what? Equip. Equip who? You. To do what? To do his work. I'm going to say work. You're supposed to work in the church. right? Work and build up the church. Remember when I started this, I said, we're not just supposed to belong to a church. We're actually supposed to do what? Build up a church, build up a ministry. So my job is to equip you to help us build up this church, to help us build up the church. Verse 13 says, and this is going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord. We'll measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The reason why I'm doing this series is I want to equip you to be, to be better believers, to be better servers. My job is to equip you to do what? Work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to guess what? Serve better. To, to have the same mindset Jesus had, to have the same motivation that, 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 he, that he has. And let me say this as we land this plane. Any Christ-centered church has to talk about serving. We have to. You say, well, what do you mean? If it's Christ-centered, we just started, Paul said, have the mind of Jesus and have the motivation. So that means if it's going to be Christ-centered, we have to follow his example. And what was his example? That I empty myself out. That I become what? A servant. That I become what? Generous. That I become what? A giver. It's not how much I've won, but how much I've done. It's not how much I have gained, but how much I have what? Released. If we're Christ-centered, we have to talk that way. 
So I got some questions for you. I got some questions for you. I'm going to pop them on the screen. Y'all doing all right? Y'all comfortable? Almost done. This is what a generous person asks. You, you can take a photo of that. This is what a servant asks. If you've noticed, this is the total opposite of the questions that are asked in our culture. What am I responsible for? Have you ever, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a restaurant, something wasn't right, I said something to the waiter or the waitress, and their immediate response is, well, that, that wasn't my responsibility. That, that, was, that was on them. That was on them. I did my part. And we like to pass the buck or pass the blame. What if we ask that question a little bit more? What, what is it that I'm responsible for? How about this one? What needs done? What do we always hear? That's not my job. It's not my job. Hey, what needs done? And how about this one? What can I do? What, what if you and I, as believers, especially in his house, and his church, what if we start asking these questions to ourselves? So they call you and me Christians, right? Y'all all right with that term? You know what that actually means? It means you act like Jesus. You're Christ-like. You carry yourself like Christ did. Anyone glad that Jesus was not irresponsible? Anyone glad that Jesus said, what's my responsibility? Father, what was my responsibility? Father, what, what am I responsible for? And his, respons his responsibility just happened to be that he would empty himself, come to the earth, and serve even to the point of death on the cross. An irresponsible Savior doesn't do that. An irresponsible God does not do that. An irresponsible Redeemer does not do that. Anyone glad he was responsible to redeem you? Aren't you glad Jesus said, what needs done? What needs done? Aren't you glad he asked that question? What needs done? Well, the power of the devil needs broken. The power of sickness needs broken. The power of you know, the separation from God needs to be destroyed. The power of poverty needs to be broken and destroyed. Jesus said, what needs done? And aren't you glad he answered the last one? What, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So the reason we're giving you this life change challenge is to say this. When it comes to church, and my responsibility is, is this church. There are other good churches, but I'm talking about this church. I'm glad we have a generous church. We do. We really have a, we, we've talked about this since we've been, we have a generous church. Um, I remember years ago, I, we, we, we talked about, um, I'll talk about this more next week, but you really know you're generous when generosity just gets contagious. You know you're with someone generous when you're sitting at dinner and the check comes and you about you fight to get the check. Anyone have some friends like that? You know it's coming and you, all of a sudden you got to go to the bathroom because you're trying to find the waitress. You're, you're, you're trying to figure out how you can be the blessing. But have you ever been to lunch? Don't look around. You've been to lunch with a person that's like, dude, I forgot my wallet. No big deal, but you always forget your wallet when we go to lunch. You invited me to lunch, you forgot your wallet, right? <laughs> Come on, are you hearing me this morning? Generosity. Generosity. So here, here, here's where I'm going. Here's where we're, how we're, we're going to end this this morning. 
there, there's a point in, in your walk, in your church walk, when you just need to be more faithful on weekends. And then there comes a point where you say, you know what, life is busy, but I need to connect outside of Sundays. I need to get to one of these ladies' events. I need to get to one of these men's events. I need to get to that young adult event. I need to get out on a first one. I need to connect my life and share life with the supply that's in the house. And then somewhere on that journey, it becomes, okay, God, how do I contribute? I need to plug in somewhere. And God's doing a lot. He's done a lot of good things at our church over the last few months. There's so many new faces, a lot of good stuff going on. And here's where we are this morning. I'm going to put a slide up here. This is just real practical stuff. And we're going to... We're going to do a song here in a moment. And while we're doing this song, I just want you to reflect and say, maybe I haven't been plugged in. Maybe I need to get re-plugged in. Man, where, where, where could I begin to be generous? A lot of people come and they sit in a... A, a, a Sunday like ours, like, man, these guys got all the bases covered, the lights, it's, it's done with excellence, it looks great, all those things. But to do more and more, guess what we need? We need more supply. We need more supply going, going forward. And so as you look at that list, you might say, man, I, I want to get involved in production. And you say, man, I don't know how to do that stuff. We can teach anybody how to do that stuff. Um, or in connection. There are areas there, he's like, man, I... I I could help in a lot. I could help with protection. Or maybe it's hospitality. Or maybe worship. Maybe you're sitting out there and, and, and you're like the best drummer ever and we don't know. Maybe we need to find out. Um, or generations, our kids point, our, our youth ministry. There just comes a time um, when we say, hey, we, we need to begin to contribute. And God's put some, some other areas on our heart. He's put some new outreach ideas on our heart. I don't want to say too much too soon because when I say it, everyone thinks it's going to happen like tomorrow. But God's, just to be honest from a vision standpoint, God, God has really put on our heart uh, a prison ministry. And we have open doors. And so we're, we're trekking through this stuff and figuring out what, we're not, we're not to do everything. Some churches, that's their thing. But we're just saying this, this is our thing. And so um, but we're, we are, we're walking through these things when to do these things. And so what I'm saying today is, let's build this thing. Let's keep building this life change thing. Let's keep building this. Oh. And, and when I say thing, I mean, let's build his thing. It's just this, his local expression. Did y'all get something good this morning? So I want to I challenge you that God does not make you generous. He doesn't make you generous. The steps you take, and God meets you there. Actually, I'll, I'll prove this to you next week. When you begin to become generous, it, it breaks the power of the devil over your life. It does. It will break the power of the devil over your life. Um, but you, you, you start a momentum for God to do something in your life. Because remember, remember this. If our first thought is, well, I can't, I won't, I don't want to, we have not broken the power of greed. And you do not fast to break the power of greed. You, not, you do not pray in the Holy Ghost to break the power of greed. You don't go on a four-day hike to the mountains to get with God to break the power of greed. Here's how you break the power of greed. You give. That's a supernatural God power. 
That's how you break the power of greed. It helps to pray. It helps to you know, do those things. But that's how you break the power of greed. You become a vessel that God does so much more in, for, and through. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. Um, so let's stand. We're, we're, just, we're, we're going to sing our way through uh, what we sang a little bit ago. But here's what I want you to do for a moment. I just want you to think about, God, what, where do you want to use me at? Where's my spot? Where's my place on the team? Where's my place? And we'll pick up here and build on this next week. I'm going to say this. I'm going to get out of the way. It's my last closing. I want you to be excited about what I shared with you this morning. Because when God gives us whatever it is to share, um, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. You can ask my wife. I don't go online and get a devotion. I say, God, what, what do you need to build? What do you need to destroy? What anointing do you want to bring? And listen, when God, starts break, when God starts talking about breaking greed and releasing generosity, it means he wants something happening in his church. And when it happens in his church, watch out, because it starts overflowing in your life. It'll start overflowing in your life. Actually, I'll prove to you next week, generosity will turn into prosperity in your life. Amen. Isn't he good? Can we praise him? Isn't he good? Thank you for listening to the LifePoint Podcast. We want to encourage you to subscribe and follow so you don't miss a message. For more information, you can visit lpcwv.com.